2: ah yes what's good everybody welcome back to veterans minimum i'm your host nick dais at the lame shows where you can find me at veterans minimum is where you can find the show i'm joined by two very special guests some might interpret special in different ways when some takes start coming but my guy tim an og is back yay yay
3: glad to be on the show bro how you holding up man Doing good, you know, not leaving my house too much, just going for like little jogs around the neighborhood. That's basically the extent of it. So, uh, I don't hate my wife, which is good news. <laughs> yeah,
2: that that's definitely, I think, I think the, uh, a positive of the whole coronavirus stuff is, uh, you, you really discover how much you love your significant other. facts like that. Facts. <laughs> and uh, also joining us, you've probably seen some of his stuff on our social media pages with with VM. He's been doing some draft stuff, whether it's draft tweets or some posts. Him and Alex have combined brains and formed. My guy, Taryn is in the building. Taryn, what's good, bro? Welcome to uh, VM officially making your de- debut, brother, brother. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. You've been doing some stuff with PFF, right? Tell, the, tell people that might not know uh, exactly why we have you on, not because you're just a pretty face that we could look at for an hour. <laughs> I thought that was the only reason. <laughs> um,
4: no, yeah, I've been doing some work with PFF this past season. was my first, uh, first season with them, uh, part-time, so I'm not doing anything off-season. But I basically was a data collector for them. I've just been really into football, so before this past season started, um i went through their application process and uh yeah so now i go through and collect data from different games college pro you know whatever it is week by week and that's the stuff that they end up interpreting and coming to grades and things like that
2: sounds very very nerdy but i love it it's definitely nerdy but yeah that's why i love it too Hey Tim, is it is it uh is it data or data?
3: No, I I don't I don't know. I I say I say data data. I I say both. I don't know.
2: It depends, right? Yo, you yeah. know what? I actually, it's it's funny that I have you on today because when uh, when I text you about this, uh, I was like, yo, is it prospective or perspective? <laughs> That's I'll never be able to figure that one out. You guys know how I am with my English. It's very uh, subjective as to I don't even know if I use that one correct. You know what I'm saying? Like you get what, you get, very different sides when it comes to me with the English. So Tim,
3: I, I mean, like I said, so I'm about 75% sure it's the per version.
2: Teaching America's youth, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I can't spell, week.
3: bro. It's my one weakness. Like I'll I'll tell you where your periods and commas are fucked up, but I can't spell. <laughs>
2: All right, good. So I don't feel like a complete asshole, just an asshole here. All right. (laughs) If you guys didn't watch the draft yesterday and you're a sports fan, I don't know what to tell you because it was the one thing that has kind of been keeping us afloat from uh, a media perspective, right? Whereas there's nothing else going on. And you got to fall for the trap for rumors more so than you've done any other year because of nothing else going on. And all these pre-draft visits have been uh, canceled and whatnot. So I want to start off with this. I think what we experienced yesterday and what we're going to experience the rest of the weekend. We are recording this Friday morning early on. There's going to be a full breakdown of the first round and then maybe some fun stuff to end the show as far as like what to look out for. But guys, and I'll throw it to you, Tim, after I finish I think this is the most unique draft in NFL history for many reasons. Obviously, the coronavirus stuff goes without saying, right? The, the The players weren't able to experience that moment of the commissioner calling their name and them coming out, them being in the green room with their families. Also meant that it was a very nicely paced NFL draft. I don't know how you guys... Where do you guys fall on that one, Tim? Like... Didn't you feel like the draft went by really quickly and I would even say smooth?
3: Yeah, it was super smooth and quick. I mean, there were some times where uh, where Goodell like did some stuff that was just like, "Huh, what are you, what are you doing, man?" But uh, yo, besides he, that, everything was smooth.
2: Uh, as someone that is a uh, pro marijuana usage, <laughs> yo, was he chopped, bro? I <laughs> Cause he looks. I mean, there fine. is a new
3: CBA, man. There's a new CBA. That new CBA, CBA hitting different.
2: He's like, "Yo, everybody doing it? What's up?" <laughs> he completely butchered the announcement of Vegas getting the draft in 2022. For those that don't know, he made that announcement. He said, "Vegas, we're coming back to you in 2020." It's like, well, you're there now. So next year the draft is in Cleveland, and then the year after they're going back to Vegas.
3: And he also like there was a, a little like make a wish kid that was doing the like one of the picks. I can't remember. And then over him, he's like, yeah, come back to me. Come back to me now. Come back to me. Come back to me. And then they came back to him, and he was silent for like six, seven seconds.
2: Yeah. Let the kid finish, man. He's a -a make-a-wish kid. Oh, man. That was – I I tried not to laugh at that because of, you know, it's a -a make-a-wish. Not not the make-a-wish kid before I get tweets. Goodell (laughs) just standing there awkwardly. Yo, that has to be the worst being in front of a camera son, and them cutting to you. And sometimes you don't know exactly what the timing is going to be like. They might be like, all right, back to you, Caitlin in the office. And then Caitlin's just kind of like on Instagram or some shit or fucking eating her food. And they don't know when the cut is coming. And it did seem like Goodell was being a little awkward uh, for a lot of a lot of the draft, actually you know what else was awkward? And I don't mean to sound like before I get tweets, I don't mean to sound
3: like insensitive, <laughs> but why these kids have their best moment of their life. And like, I understand you got to bring it up, but the first thing for everything is like this kid's sister died and this kid's dad died. I and this kid's too. dad committed suicide, but it was because of the pills. Like wh- why, what is the purpose of bringing it up first Yeah, before anything else? And yeah. basketball highlights before football highlights. It's like, yo, whoever's putting these highlights together, yo, you need to order it a little better.
2: ESPN. Yo, I was, I was going to bring that up too. When, they, when, uh, when Ruggs got drafted by Oakland, the first thing you see is a high school highlight tape of basketball. And I'm like, can we get some slants? Can we Becton get a too. post route? What's up? in too. The first yeah. thing you saw was him dunking on people. Yeah. Yeah. Taryn, how'd you feel about the pace of the draft, man? Because I I, I do think that it it got banged out in like, what, three hours and 15 minutes, I think.
4: Yeah, it was it was pretty quick. It it felt really smooth. I got to be honest, I wasn't expecting that. You know, it had its hiccups, but for the first time doing it like that, that's got to be expected. Um, But it went like a lot better than I thought. Honestly, another thing that I loved about it was I could just look at the different different GMs and coaches war rooms so to speak and compare them all day that was so funny to me like comparing Gettleman and his binder and little school laptop to like Belichick and Sean Payton with all their computers and phones and everything is hilarious
2: well, yo what about Kingsbury yeah
4: oh yeah Dude. His, his career I was
2: recording for Brazzers if you ask me <laughs> so that's the kind of setup that that was
3: that looked like the if I don't know if you guys have ever seen um Californication on Showtime. You guys ever seen that show? I, that, I've it, seen I've it. It looked yeah. like the house that uh that Charlie's ex wife married the new dude with the big with the big dick. Man. So anyway. And <laughs> no, you know, no, 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 no. I I, I know Whoa. what you're
2: talking about. I've seen I've seen I've seen some episodes of that because my mom loves that show. I but- love that show. Great, yo, show. yeah, that I was like, "What the fuck? Where are we? Is this Dambolzarian's crib? Like, what the fuck is happening?" That ass, <laughs> and you know. seen,
3: and you seen Dimitrov? He had a fucking blue couch that, if he sat in it, that shit would have like just eaten him alive. That was the biggest <laughs> couch I've ever seen. It was like ten feet tall.
2: It was. I did. I uh, Taryn. To add some more to your point, man, I really enjoyed cutting to the war rooms and just the people that they had around them too. I thought it was really, really it was dude, they lived like fantasy football players. When you draft, yeah. when you do online drafts and shit, which if you don't do live drafts, I've been telling Tim for fucking years now. I'm like, yo, you gotta do a live draft, bro. It it's different. When you have I, the I've board, done it,
3: I've done it, it's much better.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I know we've done we've done some drafts together in person, but For those of you that draft at home on your computers and shit and like you're in the comfort of your own home or in your backyard, man, they live the life for one night of a fantasy football player doing his draft because that's exactly how it's set up. You have your binders of notes, not binders. You might have like uh, a binder with notes or a notebook. You have your laptop up and running. You're, you're, You're not around people for the most part. You're isolated. Like my guy Gettleman was in the bunker just mask on yeah (laughs) he's not taking no he's not playing no games you know there's enough (laughs) heat on Gettleman he's like I can't have this Rona come and hit me so on a more serious note though I think one thing that you're going to see is it's going to be a very you're going to get a lot of value and great players in rounds four five six seven and I kind of I made this point to Taron yesterday when I hopped on IG Live. I had my buddy Gordon Hill. He tried out for the then San Diego Chargers, came out of Sacred Hearts University. He was a DB. I didn't know all this stuff. Teams get 30 draft visits. That I knew. But I didn't know how important those are where he was in San Diego for four or five days with the team being shown the facilities, the coaching staff the players were coming to visit and he said how that was very important cuz he was able to go from a guy from a D2 school undraft well D1AA they play like Hofstra and Central Michigan and shit he was able to go from an undrafted free agent caliber player to play himself into the draft now he went undrafted but he popped up on their radar fifth sixth round and he was on the phone with these guys because of these pre-draft visits so what you're going to see is a lot of these rookies, they won't be able to report to teams until training camp because they won't be able to go to mini camp in these off-season workouts right after the draft because teams can't link up. And also, those meetings are very important for the kid that's from Sacred Hearts University or from Hofstra where he can go there and he can have an interview with a GM or a coach and put himself over, to use the wrestling term, and hype himself up and be like, yo, I'm better than these dudes and shit and, like, answer the questions and test for them, and now they don't have that luxury. So that dude that you might get in the fifth round who, if he had some of these meetings, could have been a third-round pick, it's going to be a very, very deep draft because I do think that some players didn't get the luxury of being able to put themselves over because of the coronavirus and this outbreak that's going on. Yeah. Even
3: the undrafted free agent pool is probably going to be stronger than we've seen in a long time. I think you bring up a great point. Um, It's going to be interesting too. It's going to be like an arms race almost. So who's going to be able to get on these kids' phones first and be able to contact them and and be able to sign them as undrafted free agents? And who's going to be able to make that that connection? And uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think because of all this, even the first round, this was the chalkiest first round that I've ever seen, probably, where, you know, a lot of mock drafts kind of hit nail on the head outside of, like, maybe Andrew Thomas wasn't the first tackle off some boards, but there was a tackle in that spot, and and Simmons dropping to eight was something that people were talking about a lot, and everything kind of went chalk, and there was no real movement in the first 15 or so picks. So, I mean, in in terms of that, the chalkiness of the first round shows you how like kind of everyone's on the same page and it's uh, it's well everyone except the you know the few teams that are like the Falcons that do their own thing but I mean it's it's uh it's definitely it's gonna be interesting to see that those late round guys and I'm I'm excited about day three which I'm never excited about
2: yeah, this is very unique. If there's anything to take away from the 2020 draft, is unique. We've never seen anything like this. Uh, let's get into it, man. Let's start talking about the drafts a little bit. I I also agree with you, Tim. M- my fault. I also agree with you that from a what a team desperately needs, you're right. Andrew Thomas was on the radar for the Giants. They have him as their number one tackle, but all signs pointed to Every giant fan wanted Simmons like myself. I wanted Simmons. But the smart play was to take a tackle. So it it wasn't a surprise that they took a tackle. Might have been a surprise to that it was Andrew Thomas. But there are a lot of ties. And that's another thing, man. I think I think the affiliation between some of these coaches from college and the pros really showed out in this draft. So let's get right into it. Taryn. Number one is Joe Burrow. Are you a Burrow guy from what you saw?
4: I am a Burrow guy. It took me a little bit longer, I think, to hop on that train than kind of the rest of the consensus. But, man, it was like even though it's kind of a one-season wonder, when that one season is arguably the best from a college QB that you ever see, you just it would just be irresponsible to pass up on that, I think. So
2: I, I'm i a little hesitant. He's he's good. He's going to be a, a, a franchise guy. I understand that. But to say he was that unanimous, like, yo, if Tua was healthy, he's the number one pick. That's just what I thought from when I saw him last year and even this year. If he didn't get hurt, there was no question marks. He was the number one pick. He's a new breed, new age kind of quarterback in 2020 I talked about it last year with Daniel Jones how I'm not comparing the two but the style of play between the two quarterbacks it's like yo the Giants got rid of Eli Manning who was a a, a 2006 quarterback and now you got a 2020 quarterback a guy that could pick up a third and eight and they did show Joe Burrow being a little elusive and whatnot but I just think Tim that it does seem a little scratchy how Like, head-scratching, it was how good of a season he had where it came out of nowhere.
3: For me, the Joe Burrow comparisons, and a shout-out to Brett Coleman, who is a guy that I I love his YouTube channel, The Draft Room, and I, I learned a lot from him. So a lot of the scouting report, like the scouting that I did on Joe Burrow was also through him, so I got my ideas, and then I went to see it myself. I think, like, do you remember the old Madden days when they had the QB vision? Yeah. Right? I think that, that Joe Burrow's QB vision is the entire field. And I think that more than physically stepping up, I think that mentally he stepped up to a point last year where he had the best season in college football history because of how he looks at the field. And the way he looks at the field is he he's, he's not ever following a receiver. Like you see a lot of quarterbacks and you're, and you're talking about their heads turning. Like he was so um, advanced mentally that he was like – a great point guard uh, in the NBA. In, a great point guard in the NBA doesn't watch where players are cutting. He watches the spaces on the field. And I think that's what Joe Burrow does. He watches the spaces on the field. And when you do that, it allows you to have the highest quarterback rating in the NCAA when flushed out of the pocket, right? This is a guy who, for some reason, has a reputation of a, statues- a statuesque dude, but he was when he was on the run, he was almost better than he was in the pocket and when you're looking at guys like russell wilson and patrick mahomes and lamar jackson and the new wave of even like andrew luck um to to shout out to nick his boy Um, but when you look at that those are guys who see the field so well that when a play breaks down they have the advantage rather than the defense and i think that's what joe burrow brings he brings uh that wrinkle where if a play breaks down and you're a defensive coordinator and you call the exact right play, you're almost in a worse position because Joe Burrow is just mentally uh, to the next level. Unlike Justin Herbert, who physically has a tool, but mentally has a lot of questions, right? For me, I'm I'd rather have the cerebral quarterback over the quarterback who checks all the boxes of physical traits, because we've seen those guys go come in and flail out in the past. So, um, I, I, I'm i a Joe Burrow guy. I love Joe Burrow. I think that's the pick. He, he obviously repping Ohio like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, Got to love that if you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan. So, yeah, I think Joe Burrow is a no-brainer here for me.
2: I'm always just a little hesitant when a guy comes out of nowhere. The year before, n- no one in their right mind saw this kid play and say first-round pick. And I understand the pairing with Joe Brady when he came down there. But, dude. They had five first-round picks go in the draft, bro. Like, it's not like he elevated Boston College. He elevated a team that is loaded. And Justin Jefferson went in the first round. The running back went in the first round. They always produced offensive players. And they had guys go in the first round again. The other wide receivers that he had, too, they'll be first-round picks. It, I'm just a little hesitant, man. I'm a little concerned. I think he's going to be fine but I wouldn't be – I'm going out on a limb and saying that he's not going to be as good as people think. Hey, just to play devil's advocate, and we'll talk about it when we get to Tua, but Tua threw to the top two wide receivers in the NFL draft. So you can say that about point. Tua too. That's very fair, yeah. Yeah, and the knock on Alabama quarterbacks have always been that they never translate because of the talent that they play around. So, yeah, that's a very good point. Chase Young goes number two to the Redskins. Like – just as big as lock as Burrow was to go to the Bengals, right? Ron Rivera coming over there. He's known for his defense. He always likes to have that guy that he can anchor his defense. Chase Young goes over there. Many people said best player in the draft. Also, that he's better than the Bosa brothers coming over from Ohio State. Also, you're looking at the front four for the Redskins. You're looking at, a very similar mold to what the Niners have put together. Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, Ryan Kerrigan. Now you throw Chase Young in there too. You're talking about first round pick after first round pick. And also with all this passing in the NFL, you need to have some depth at the defensive line position in order to rush the passer. So one thing that kept the Jaguars in games the last couple of years is that they had four or five defensive ends not defensive linemen, defensive ends, that they could just rotate, right? Like Yannick is the big get that a lot of people want. I'm I'm dying for the Giants to make a move to get him. But this is a dude who he's never had less than eight sacks in a season. He's never had more than 12. But the reason why is that he's playing like only 50% of the snaps that he can. So when you're looking at Washington, they really built their team the way the Niners have in the sense of just throw mad first-round picks at the front line, and then that'll take care of everything else.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's Ron Rivera too. Like, if you're a if you're a Redskins fan and you've been watching this team throw money at free agents and just kind of build teams the wrong way for a long time, the last two drafts you got to consider real home runs for for them. Because what do you do? Like, whether you like Dwayne Haskins or not, and that's yet to be determined. You get your quarterback, right? Whether you like you said, like yeah, it could be a <laughs> fart, but I mean, it's at least you get your quarterback who you like at the very least. And then you get the guy to rush the quarterback and all of a sudden you're building an identity, right? And, and you're building from the inside out rather than the outside in, which is what they've been doing for so long. They've been making big splashes, um, you know, like Josh Norman, Deshaun Jackson, guys that like kind of around the perimeter. And now they're building from the inside out. And Ron Rivera brings that kind of team building mentality over from Carolina where they've had, they had a perennial, per, like the last couple of years don't, I mean Cam was hurt but before that they were perennially in the mix in that division for years and years and years so that's what the Redskins want to build and if I'm a Redskins fan I'm super happy about this pick and you know if he doesn't work out then you can't really blame them because he is like across the board unanimous gonna be a stud.
2: Aaron how do you feel about Chase Young?
4: I mean yeah it's it's pretty easy when you have a player like that. It's funny that you mentioned the Bosa brothers because my favorite thing about watching Chase Young this year, like getting ready for the draft was that I remember last year watching Nick Bosa and being like, this is a can't miss prospect. This is what an elite, an elite edge prospect looks like. I don't even know how it can get better than that. And then you watch Chase Young and you're like, Oh, that's how it can get better than that. It's, it's, he's truly special. Like, and it started like the, the hype started dying down a little bit. I saw towards like the end of the season. Cause like, Oh, he didn't get any sacks like his last two games or whatever. And it's so funny when you watch and he's trying to rush the passer and there's literally three O linemen just yeah. trying to block him. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it was a good pick. It's really a can't miss prospect as much as you know, that's possible. So.
2: Before we move on, I want to mention that Dwayne Haskins was also a one year starter. Through like 50 touchdowns just say just it's a little concerning just, uh, okay. i like i like sample size bill Parcells, i read his book and he mentioned how the number is 30 30 starts for a kid coming into the nfl is what you ideally want because after 30 starts bro like dude how many times have you seen guys like tim tebow was a thing for like seven games you know like guys come in and even yo I know Tim, you feel different about this, but like Cap, also Kaepernick, they stripped him of his weapons. I understand that, and they did. But like, you know, those first twenty games, Tim was like, "Yo, greatest quarterback I ever seen." Would you take him like number one overall in your fantasy league that year? I took him in the second round. The yeah. second round, yeah, dude. I, I took I, t- I took him in like the third round too. I think he was the first quarterback taken off the board in the year that I did that. So, just saying that you need you need a you need a sample size when you're talking about quarterbacks There's a lot a lot can happen. Uh, all right. This was another layup for me, too. When no trade happened and Detroit was on the clock, they lose Darius Slay, Okuda, three straight Ohio State players. Well, affiliates, Joe Burrow. He was there, and then he transferred. Um, probably the most – he's my favorite corner in the draft because of his attitude, that video that went viral of him when that reporter asked him at the Combine about how – you know, you got you to gotta clean up some things in your game with the penalties and whatnot. He's like, yo, I didn't get flagged one time for defensive holding. He's like, go check the tape. I was like, oh, I like this kid.
3: Dude, could I just. That guy quit journalism yeah. <laughs> because of the hate he was getting on Twitter for that question.
2: Well, you can't talk out your ass, bro. I,
3: Yo, take it, son. I've said to no, a, I still true. get shit about Mitch Trubisky. Still Which, to this he, day.
2: Yeah. I mean, take so. it. You should. You should. (laughs) But but yeah, no. You're right, dude. If you can't if you can't take the criticism, then it's it's the wrong it's the wrong field for you to be in. Wrong business for you to be in. Because I say this all the time, and I say it when I give out picks, when I give out plays and DFS takes. No matter what it is, they all tie in together. You're trying to be perfect in an imperfect world. Fifty five percent on picking spreads. You can become a professional better 55 percent dude if you get a 55 on a test Tim you give a 55 to a kid in class fail fail you're <laughs> failing in sports betting you can pass 60 you get a you get someone 60 you're still kind of failing right that's still failing Sixty-five
3: 65's passing these days yeah. all
2: right all right. so you go you get a 60. dude if I knew uh, if I could guarantee myself I'd pick 60 percent against the spread every single year for the rest of my life, I'd probably quit working for real, I'm not kidding. Oh, like yeah. Like, 60%. Nick There's be ways that you can make right hundreds of thousands of dollars. No one's in Vegas right now. What about that shot? See that shot when they showed Vegas? You guys never been to Vegas, right? Dead zone. Never. No, I've never been there. Oh, first of all, you guys need to fix that whenever all this stuff changes. I've been telling Tim for years. Second of all, that was a crazy visual, man. And, Tim, I can relate it to something that hits home for you. That looked like you ever see Times Square like that, bro? Like. Times Square is always lit, no matter what. And to see that shit ghost town. For me, when I saw that, it's how you know I have issues. I saw that and I was like, yo, that visual, like, meant a lot to me. Not seeing people on the streets of Vegas, bro. It was crazy. It was crazy to see. It was. It was
3: definitely crazy to see. It's 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 kind of like not seeing people in, in Times Square. You're right. It's
2: fucking... This whole thing is so nuts, man. So... Going back to the lines, they take Okuda, Jeff Okuda, the corner. Um, w- w- obvious, no? Taryn, wasn't it obvious, especially when they got rid of Slay? And, like, no? the only thing I was waiting for, because I was streaming when this happened, and Taryn was in the chat, and you're like, all right, this is where the draft starts.
4: Yeah, I mean, for me, I said it was where the draft starts because I was thinking if someone's going to trade up for like a Tua, say, this was where that was like a possibility. But yeah, like you said, once the pick was in, I mean, it it was chalk, just like the first two. Smart pick. I love it. You know, Okuda's awesome. He was one of my favorite watches throughout this whole process. But yeah, no surprise.
3: This is going to be high praise for me, but watching Jeff Okuda play in college reminds me of shades of Darrell Rivas. The reason why is because of the physicality. I think one of the, the, the things that you look for in a cornerback is, are they willing to get dirty and make the tackles? Are they willing to slam bigger dudes on the line? And then do they have the speed to recover if they get beat off the line? And I think that's what D- Darrell Rivas had in spades. He was never the fastest guy, but he had great recovery speed. And I think Jeff Okuda as well, not the fastest dude, but definitely great recovery speed. Ran a 4-8 at the combine, I believe. And then he – he is not afraid to get nasty and dirty and make the tackles on the running backs and, and slam people on the line. And that's what it's going to be in the NFL. Like if you, if you're, if you're not ready for the heat, stay out the kitchen. I think Jeff Okuda is is built for the heat. And so I I love this pick for the lions and somewhere where we've talked about, we talked about this a lot in our, in the past VM days, Nick, where Bill Belichick has that scheme where he puts the number one cornerback on the Island against the number two receiver. And then they double the, the, um, the the number 1 and i think with trufant and okuda now that mm. gives that gives uh patricia a right. Belichick disciple that kind of ability to do that and make that happen and now they you know they they improve that defensive line it was really the 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 fall of snacks harrison last year was disappointing to see but um the offensive line has some weapons and i think i mean the defensive line has some weapons and i think the Lions really improved their defense uh with this one for sure 100%
2: yeah, good call on them. They've been copying the mold that worked for them in New England, so that's something that they're bringing over.
3: Fun fact, you know. um, there's more former New England Patriots on the Detroit Lions right now than there were Detroit Lions when Matt Patricia took over.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm sure you could probably say the same thing about the Titans too, haven't the Titans brought in a bunch of – I don't know if that's the same case, but I'm just saying that they have a lot of former Patriots as well. All right, for the number four pick. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Got to bring out all the stops for those of you watching the clip. You know, I don't like the guy, but I got to show love and (laughs) a little role play for this one, you know, a little cosplay. My glasses are fogging up because of the mask, so that's not going to be able to work. But (laughs) I put on a mask because Dave Gettleman was in isolation by himself. No one seen. No one seen. In the room with him, but he had a mask on because my GM is not trying to take any risks, Tim. You know what I'm saying? He's a man of the people. So, well, you could tell. I don't know about no risks
3: after that draft pick, but you know we could talk about that too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah.
2: Okay. So, 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 tell me what was what was so risky about it? Because per the Giants, they had him as their number one tackle on the board. Also, I mentioned. In the beginning of the show, how one common theme, and obviously I was talking about my team, coaches listen to each other. And Kirby Smart is the head coach of Georgia. He had Andrew Thomas. Kirby Smart was also with Alabama when Joe Judge was there. Also, the running back coach for Alabama, Burns, is now the running back coach for the New York Giants. So, this is a lot of tight knit clicks between the two you always heard about Nick Saban and Belichick and all the disciples being able to say yo you should talk to one another if Nick Saban has a guy or if there's a player in the SEC that Belichick likes he goes to Nick Saban because he's scouting for him he's probably recruiting him he knows of him so that's what you saw here and a lot of momentum was coming in on the Giants towards the tail end and I got some sources too that I've developed over the last couple of years and they were telling me like yo stop this pipe dream of Simmons they're taking a tackle and it was between the three it was between Thomas Wirfs and Wills Jr. from Alabama I kind of honed in on Wills Jr. because Joe Judge was there he saw him for the last couple of years also with the running back but they go with Thomas the one thing about Thomas is it's Very important for the Giants to fix the offensive line, as it is for many teams. But when you look at what the Giants have, they have an elite running back, and they have a quarterback that they believe in. And the quarterback needs to not turn the ball over 17 times a game. One way to do that is to make sure that he's upright. And they did that with addressing it with an offensive tackle, and Andrew Thomas. He was one of the consensus top three offensive linemen in the draft. Everyone has different evaluations of how they have rankings. But he's a guy who I think is going to be a day one starter right away for the Giants. And that's exactly what the Giants leave this draft with.
3: Um, I mean, for me, I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm, I'm some kind of offensive line talent evaluator. So take what I say with a grain of salt here. Um, but when you're looking at the four offensive linemen that were on the top and – uh, for me, the, what I was reading, Andrew Thomas seemed to be the consensus number four tackle on the, on the board. Um, and when you look at what makes these guys stand out, right, you see the athletic ability of Tristan Worf. You see that Makai Beckton is a complete animal human being of a man. And then you got Wills, who looks like the complete package, right? He was protecting uh, the blind side for Tua on the right side, but people can definitely say that he can go over to the left side with no problem, right? With Andrew Thomas, it was kind of like he did a lot of things. He did everything well, but nothing really stood out. So, um, like even I, I know I don't want to put too much. Um, I don't want to put too much into this, but twenty-one bench press reps at the combine, eh, not really great. Um, one one offensive line coach said he's not an ass kicker, and I think when you're looking for someone there, you want an ass kicker. And um, I mean, this could work out again. I'm not an offensive line scout. I just it, it just it makes me wonder um, what the Giants saw in this guy and what you say the connections uh, with coaches could be the case what he what they saw amongst the other guys because the other three guys seem to have really standout traits that made them stand out above the rest um, in terms of evaluation. So again, not an all line evaluator. This could be a great pick for the Giants. I do like the position pick um, for the Giants. I think they need a tackle. Um, Nate Solder uh, hasn't been the guy that they paid for to be, so um, maybe moving him over to the right side and seeing what Andrew Thomas can do on the left side is a, is a good move for the Giants.
2: Aaron,
4: thoughts? Um, I I, like I told you yesterday, I was a big fan of that. Andrew Thomas was my... Uh, number one offensive tackle on my board Um, and I actually don't disagree with Tim's overall evaluation of it like how a lot of the when you look at the top four or five guys have like those standout traits um, which they do but that's kind of the reason that ultimately I put Andrew Thomas for my number one because although he doesn't like really stand out like he's not a road grader he's not gonna run everyone over he doesn't have the agility like Jedrick Wills Jr. he's good at everything he's pretty well-rounded and not a lot of negatives there so you can there's not really a like a scheme or a style that doesn't fit and there's not a matchup that's gonna really hurt you know he, all around he's just going to be able to help the offensive line do whatever the Giants are trying to do so I was van of the pick.
2: So it's funny that you mentioned that because I actually have a video coming out later on the YouTube channel. It's called draft cliches. And uh, one of them that I had was Swiss Army Knife. And the thing that I put for Swiss Army Knife was B minus everywhere. It doesn't do anything great, but it's just solid. So you (laughs) throw them out there. So I guess that's what Andrew Thomas falls under. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) As long as he's protecting
3: Daniel Jones, I think that's the thing that you need, We're opening up holes for Saquon.
2: Yeah, yeah, you do. Because, man, I, I I like to think that I'm a very uh, honest fan of the New York Giants. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to win the Super Bowl. But I do think they could be a team that could be – they're one of my top three candidates to be a team to make a run There's always a team in the NFL that goes from worst to first, right? Or a team that goes from, you know, five wins to ten. They double their wins. I think the Giants might be in play for that this year. If Daniel Jones doesn't turn the ball over as much, if some of these guys that they brought in defensively could work out like they did in 2016, it could be something. And I think Andrew Thomas, too, man, you throw him in and he could be a day one starter for you, which he should be if he's going in the top ten, top five. Uh, I like it. I like it from the sense that they needed a tackle. Every Giants fan that I spoke to wanted a tackle, and they were telling me, yo, it's going to be a tackle, and it ends up being a tackle. So it wasn't like they drafted a cornerback. They drafted something that they really, really need, and then we just got to wait and see. Yeah, they didn't pull the Falcons. Shout out to Allen. Shout out to Allen. Uh, Dolphins, Tua. Tua gets picked. What about a little bit of – I got to take the mask off, man. It's hot. hot. (laughs) Yo, what about a little revisionist history? If you remember, Miami was the team that passed up on Drew Brees because of shoulder issues and injuries. And they end up going with Dante Culpepper. And that alters not just their history, not just the Saints history, but football history. Because think about it. What if Brees goes to Miami when he was supposed to, when he was a free agent? And then Saban is still there. Saban probably stays, right? Because you got to figure you're going to be winning with, with Breeze. And I understand Peyton has been a big part of Drew Breeze's success and in playing indoors and playing in the Superdome. But does Saban go back to Alabama? Does Alabama be coming to this juggernaut? Do we see Julio Jones? Do we see Amari Cooper? Do we see Judy? Do we see all these C.J. Moseys and defensive players? Does Brady go on to be as great as he was in Belichick? Because now they got to play Drew Breeze twice a year. And, Tim, as someone that roots for a team in the AFC East, how much of a cakewalk has that been for the Patriots the last 20 years? A big part of your success is the division that you play in, right? Like, dude, the Chargers. Yo, girl, if you're a kid that can understand football and you're within, you know, 18 to 30 and you're a Chargers fan, yo, you went 12 and 4 two years ago, bro, and you were a, you were the 5 seed. Because you had you had the Chiefs in your division. So it's like, yo, so much of your success is dictated on whether or not your division is good. And now, full circle, this really was like, we're giving you another chance, Miami. This is a prospect that was probably going to go one. They had all the tank for two assigns in, uh, I think it's Sun Life Stadium in Miami. And then... Don't fuck this up again. Take the risk, yo, because the upside, yo, people whiff on first-round picks year in, year out. I, I talk about this all the time. A third of them are out the league, a third of them are traded, and then a third of them become all pros. That's just how it is, right? Yo, take the risk. The upside is way more precious than anything else. So that's how I feel about Miami taking Tua. Tim?
3: I think, uh, yeah, I think this is a no-brainer for Miami. The tank actually worked. You know, this, this two injury actually but ended up being a blessing for them. I think really the question is, can he stay healthy, right? Because you have an offensive line that's one of the worst offensive lines still in football. So you, you'd imagine that he's not going to start the year uh, as the quarterback. As probably he'll, he'll be behind Ryan Fitzpatrick for a little while. And If he gets hit, can he take it? Because, you know, a lot of – not a lot is being made of the fact that he's kind of a small guy, uh, six foot on a good day, 5'11", by some measurements. So can he take the punishment of an NFL season? I think that's the question that's going to be had because when you're talking about Drew Brees, Drew Brees also had an injury um, that made him drop into the second round. That worked out. Um, But when you're talking about other littler guys like – Russell Wilson, like he was healthy his whole time when he was a college quarterback. So, I mean, you have to, I think, like you said, Nick, you have to take the chance. I think for the first time in 20 years, it's, it's reasonable to say that the Patriots have the worst quarterback in the AFC East. And I think, like you said, with, with um, divisions, I mean, what you're going to see later on with the Las Vegas Raiders and with a couple of other teams, divisions really, Led the way on how some of these things, how some of these th- teams thought uh, when making these draft picks. So, mm-hmm. I think that with my with the Dolphins, you got to take Tua here. I think that you know, shout out to the to the department. Of Bill Belichick coming over with uh, Brian Flores and spreading misinformation like fucking crazy uh, the week leading up to this draft, making people think the Miami Dolphins were not going to take Tua and they were going to take Justin Herbert, trying to keep, probably trying to keep people away from trading up into spots to take Tua in front of them. Um, And it worked. The misinformation campaign worked. So kudos to them. Um, so yeah, I think, like you said, that's upside is just too great. If it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. You have to shoot your shot on a guy like Tua who had the most efficient college career ever. Now, like I said before, he was throwing to the top two wide receivers in the NFL draft this year, but you can't fault the guy for playing with the players that he played with. Um, he also played against the top competition in college. So, um, I, I would say that evens out. I'm a fan of Tua's attitude, to his whole vibe. Um, I'm hoping that he doesn't have that much success because I'm a Jet fan, and you know that's the last thing I need—the the Tom Brady train to be derailed by the Tua train. Um, but yeah,
4: I think I think this is a great pick for the Dolphins, no brainer.
2: Taryn, what are your thoughts on Tua?
4: I'm with you 100. percent Pretty much everything you guys just said. Um, if it wasn't for the injury, he might be my QB one as well. It's like he was overshadowed a lot by Joe Burrow this year even when he was healthy because I think Joe Burrow was a little uh, like flashier of a play style and that LSU team was just so much fun to watch and it wasn't Bama. But um, he did it this year too, and but the difference is he did it last year as well. I mean, people I don't, forget how good Tua was last year too, probably because you know they're not scouting him as in-depth because he's not – actually eligible for the draft but even last year th- that kid was slinging it and yeah i'm a big fan i agree with tim i bought into the smoke screen i was like it's gonna be so dolphins they're just gonna two is gonna fall into their lap and they're gonna take herbert anyway uh because you just kept hearing that the last few days but yeah i'm i'm really glad they ended up with him i'm a big big fan
2: people tend to forget Taryn what happened the year before and especially when something new comes over something shiny All right? joe burrow out of nowhere and lsu mm-hmm. like lsu is look they're not fucking yukon when it comes to football like they're a team that's in national spotlight but it's not like alabama there's uh, i do believe that people get tired of dynasties eventually like they're good and bad and Alabama's been running rough shop through everyone in college football. And then you get this new thing like, oh, yo, what's happening over there in Baton Rouge? Oh, oh, look at him go. And then Tua gets hurt, too. Same shit that happened with Pat Mahomes this year, man. Same shit happened. Pat yeah. Mahomes got hurt. Chiefs went like two and three or some shit, whatever it was. And everyone's like, oh, my God, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. They're fucking down mm-hmm. yeah. their lows to so Lamar Jackson. And look, Lamar Jackson had a great season. The Ravens had a great season. It's like, yo, hold on, man. Like. Mahomes came back. He was a little rusty because he didn't play for six weeks. And then I I remember saying, I'm like, yo, look, they're 12 to one before they play the Pats. They beat the Pats and then the rest is history. People just forget. So that's what I think happened with Tua. And I just, I agree with you. I did feel like they were going to take Herbert, which leads into this next pick. Justin Herbert goes to the Chargers. I think it would have been cooler if Tua went to the Chargers. Because I think Tua has the makeup of being, like, a, a, he, he seems like he has more juice and charisma than Herbert. And Herbert, man, I was the biggest Marcus Mariota fan, I think, out there. Uh, and There has to be, something needs to be said about these quarterbacks coming from Oregon. When that first read isn't there, Tim, they seem to get deer in the headlights. And if I could defend Mariota for just one second, he had like five offensive coordinators in six years. And they always say how having a new offensive coordinator is like reading and learning a new language. And I think with Justin Herbert, the one thing you got to be concerned with with the Chargers is that going to translate over to the next level again with the Oregon quarterback. Tim, technical difficulties?
3: Yeah, I'm having a little technical difficulties over here. My bad. Did Um, you hear what I said,
2: though? I did. I, I,
3: I got it broken up a little bit. Um,
2: you watch Warren, is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> That's what the um, iPad is for brother. <laughs>
3: uh, yeah. I mean, Herbert has all the physical tools. Um, like, like you were saying, I know that you were saying about Oregon quarterbacks and uh, not trusting Oregon quarterbacks. I kind of feel like, I kind of feel the same way about Herbert. Um, you know, if you look two years ago, a, 59% completion percentage, which, you know, he got it up to 67% this year, but um, not ideal. I know that you've been scouting Herbert for the longest time, Nick, because uh, suck for the duck was the the model before Daniel Jones uh, took over. But um, in terms of the Chargers, I think you have to add a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think that you have to add something that's going to bring excitement to a new stadium and, uh, you know, a, a fan base or you actually, where you're really you're really competing for fans out there and it hasn't looked good for them the past 2 years so they have to bring in something new something fresh this guy checks all the boxes in terms of physical tools he's got the arm he's got the look he's got the brains he he scored the highest uh the highest on the Wonderlick test which if you look at the Wonderlick test and I actually took the Wonderlick test the other day it's first of all it's not hard uh Tua uh, I don't I don't know what you're doing there <laughs> second of all I don't know what the fuck it has to do with quarterbacking at all whatsoever like really, it's just your ability to think on your toes and critically think, which you know is
2: fine. Um, I think I think that I think that's it right there. What you just said. Uh, so much of a dude, a quarterback, a quarterback got thirty seconds, and and that might even be a stretch to step up to the line of scrimmage, make sure all his fucking idiot teammates are set up. I don't know why that that seemed that harsh. Like I have like an, a vendetta against <laughs> like teammates, but and then you have to. All right, yo, we're going up the A-gap on the left side, right? But they're blitzing from here. So then in in 30 seconds, you got to make sure everyone's aligned. You got to know what the play is going to be. You got to read the defense. And then when the snap happens, you have to be able to quickly make your read there too. So I think the Wonder Lake is exactly what you said. You kind of answered your own question where you don't understand what it has to do with quarterback. I think it has a lot to do with quarterback with the critical thinking, the quick hitting stuff. and not improv because you have the answers there, but being able to think on your toes really quick. I think that's a lot to do with quarterbacking.
3: I hear that. I hear that. And I, de- I definitely hear that. But one thing I like to say to my students is um, if an elephant was judged by his ability to climb trees and he would live his whole life thinking he was stupid. Um, I don't know if that necessarily translates, although like what else are you going to do? I guess either way had a high uh, wonder score. So that's good for him. Um, I he's going to have a lot of weapons. He's going to be able to throw to Keenan Allen. He's going to be able to throw to Mike Williams. Um, he's going to be able to play behind an offensive line who got better this year. Uh, so, I mean, tied, uh, Hunter Henry, how could I forget? So, I mean, he'll I have every, every opportunity to succeed, and we'll see how it goes. But I think if you're the Chargers, this is also a no-brainer pick, and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But you've got to take the shot on Herbert, who has all, all the tools to be – the type of superstar quarterback that you're hoping for, and uh, hopefully he can progress and make those reads. And and you know you have to you have to take a quarterback here for the charters.
2: I also think that uh, Taryn, I just want to add one more thing to what Tim said is he didn't really have a lot of weapons at Oregon, man. And that was one thing that I was watching when I was making my Pro Herbert case the year before. Now you're talking about. From an offensive weapon perspective, is there a better situation to walk into? Like, how many are better? Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen. Like, you have your vertical jump ball guy. You have your tight end, all reliable. You have a running back out the backfield. You have an improved offensive line. You got Keenan Allen, who's, in my opinion, the best route runner in football. It's like him and Diggs, and he lives in the slot. One of the best wide receivers out the slot. So, if you're Herbert. I feel like you, you could be the only one to fuck this one up.
4: Yeah, I, uh, this is the first pick where I, I was struggling to kind of decide where I fall because I am not a Herbert guy. Uh, to me, it's like I said it in, in, in your chat yesterday. I was said it's Josh Allen 2.0. But the thing that I didn't mention is that he doesn't have the athleticism. And when there's a quarterback that struggles, like, with accuracy, even if they got the cannon arm, you know, but they struggle with some of those other important things, they can hide it a little bit with their running ability. It's like Mitch Trubisky, why he is so much worse when they're not using him how he should be used. Josh Allen, the same thing. I think without that athleticism, you see a drop in tier of of quarterback play. So that's kind of what he reminded me of. You know, when we were talking about my PFF stuff, you uh, mentioned the nerdiness, so it's about to come out. But, like, for the weapon point, this past year, the percentage of uncatchably off-target throws, which means they're not just inaccurate, like you're missing them by multiple yards. When there's a receiver that's open, so they have over a yard of separation, 5 to 18 yards downfield, Herbert, Of all the first round quarterbacks, was by far the worst. Uh, 18.1% of those throws were uncatchably off target. Wow. For comparison, yeah, yeah. For comparison, Tua at 4.3, Burrow at five, uh, Hertz, who's not incredibly accurate either, at five. So, you know, I think it's a big risk, but in incremental improvement at quarterback is so valuable even more than going from trash to all pro at any other position so it's tough hopefully it works out for them you know you you never know they can improve of course Lamar did it he improved a little bit so we'll see
2: that's that's a very telling number there too I also think that the quarterback man it's so weird such an important position, but it seems like there's no patience. And sometimes, like, a guy's cur- like, yo, Josh Allen, uh, Josh Rosen is shot now. Like, we want to talk about damaged goods. Who knows where the <laughs> fuck his head's at? Right? Like, <laughs> you're the 10th pick in the draft. The next year, a team takes a guy number one, they trade you to Miami, who's basically a carbon copy of the team in the AFC of the team that you were on in the NFC and then the year after that they take a quarterback in the first round. So a lot of it has to do with just your situation, man. So much so. All right. I want to speed up the rest of the top ten and then kind of just touch on the rest of the draft. And Tim I'll let we'll definitely spend some time on on the uh the J E T E. Um Carolina Panthers take Derek Brown out of Auburn, defensive tackle I thought that this was a layup to be Simmons, especially when you remember that Luke Kuechly retired. I just thought that you don't really, who's the best player on the Panthers right now? Like, I can't even tell you. They lost Bradbury in free agency too. So they take a defensive tackle in Auburn. He definitely stood out on film because he wore the single digit and you were just saying to yourself, like, who the fuck is that guy? Right? (laughs) But I think that, it was – this just seemed like a shoe in for Isaiah Simmons for me, Tim.
3: Yeah, I agree with you. And if you're, and if you're the Panthers, like – and you're looking at divisions, right? And you're looking at, all right, so you got to go with the Saints, the Falcons, and now the Buccaneers with Tom Brady. Like, which one of those teams has an interior rushing offense that you need to stop runs in between the tackles? Um, not many right? So, I mean, you could say this is a long sided pick. I just, you know, the twins who I do Broto with, they are completely flabbergasted every, time someone takes a defensive tackle uh, this early in the draft. And it's kind of, they liken it to kind of like taking a center in the NBA in the first round now. And it's just like a, a position that doesn't need to be. For me, I think that running is more important than they think. But at the same time, you're getting a run, a, an up the middle run stopper, uh, in a division with you know a, like that plays in the on the perimeter. So I don't know; it doesn't make much sense to me here. I would much rather go with the Swiss Army Knife of Isaiah Simmons, which I think the Cardinals got an absolute steal. And the Cardinals know all about guys who can play multiple positions. They had Honey Badger for a long time, and they got them a lot of a lot of success. So I think that the Cardinals got a steal, and the the Panthers a little bit of a head scratcher here.
2: Also, they've they've always been doing this, right? Like uh, Jefferson, when they drafted him, he was a dude that they lined up at linebacker, slot corner, safety. So they've been doing the on-troll roll. They drafted him as a corner. They moved him to safety. Like they've been doing this for years. They just take the like, yo, can you play defense? Yeah, all right, we'll make it work. And the Cardinals, they got – Like, Patrick Peterson is still a very, very good corner. Chandler Jones, like, never gets respect for being the best pass rusher in football. And I think Isaiah Simmons just makes up so much ground for your team. They kept showing the graphic. And, Taryn, I know you saw it with the PFF stuff you were doing. This dude played, like, five different positions, over 100 snaps at those positions. Like, what? Dude, I started quoting him in the videos I do for chat sports as a DW, defensive weapon. Like he has no you, you don't you don't try to get cute. Like, yo, Steelers used to do this with Palomalo. They would give him the green light. Go off your instinct, play where you want, line up where we tell you, but then from there you decide. And that's what I think you do with Isaiah Simmons. He was he was probably the funnest dude that I watched this year. Like I really enjoyed him. And he's He's someone that's just – he's just a baller, man. There's just no way – like, the only thing that could prevent him from being an all-pro is if he gets hurt, God forbid, and I'm knocking on wood. But I just think that he was – that's why I was so in love with the idea of the Giants getting him.
4: Yeah, um, I I, I agree with Tim and and the twins on the whole Derek Brown thing. First of all, the value is just not there for me. Like, he can end up being an all-pro year one, but you still – Use the top ten pick on a run stuffing tackle, defensive tackle. If you're gonna take a defensive tackle, you gotta I think in today's NFL, you have to at least have some pass rushing prowess. Um, but and and then it's just compounded by passing on a guy like Simmons. see he, he's a freak. like you said, you know, so many reps at every single position. It's not like some guys that they're like, oh, well, I'm a middle linebacker, but, you know, I also line up as safety for 12 snaps. He's like triple digits everywhere, pass rusher, middle linebacker, safety, slot corner, outside corner. Like, it's you, – you just – I don't know. I don't remember ever seeing anything like that. It can plug multiple needs on your defense from play to play, which is just incredibly valuable, so – yeah, uh, I'm I'm with you. A bit of a head scratcher from the the Panthers there, and the other thing it like ran through my head when Tim was talking about kind of drafting based on your division. And you think about like the Cardinals, okay? Isaiah Simmons today, spy Russell Wilson. Tomorrow you got Forty ers You know, watch all their behind the line of scrimmage stuff. You're following Debo Samuel going sideline to sideline. It's just it, that was a great pick. So. Yeah, a little bit of a fall. I was expecting a top five for Isaiah Simmons, but I think it's cool that he's gonna be on the Cardinals there. They've improved a lot over the last month and yeah. I think.
2: Yeah, you that's gonna be a team that I'm gonna be looking at their odds very, very heavily for like a long shot. I always like to punt on a long shot team to win their division to him. I did it last year. One of the one of the bets I made was the Niners to win the West. They were plus 700 at FanDuel. I threw a nice $25 spot on them. Nice. Nothing too crazy. But uh, nice there's just there's just always a team. There's always a team, man, that goes from worst to first. And I wouldn't be surprised with Arizona if Kyler Murray ends up being the truth. And now you got D-Hop too. Like, what? Christian Kirk, my boy. You guys know I'm the president of that fan club for years now. <laughs> uh, all right. CJ Henderson. Goes to Jacksonville, another one of those picks where Jaguars' top need was probably a corner, especially when they lose both of their corners. They lose Ramsey in the trade, and then they lose Bouye to uh, a trade also. So it was it was a no-brainer for me. Um, any corner at this point was fine. C.J. Henderson staying home not that far. I think it was like 50 miles is where he'll be moving to. So it's like in-house for him. Um, Do you guys have anything to say about CJ Henderson, Tim?
3: Yeah, just a couple of things. Number one, don't like to pick at all. Um, Okay. You know, the Jaguars, this one stands out as possible. I mean, and again, this could work out, but for me, this stands out as a possible bust. The Jaguars love to draft in-state as if they're like a college team. And this is one of the things that they did and look, this is a need, but when you like, I think, you know, going through the, the history of the draft, when you draft for need and you're not drafting best player, that's not, we're going to do it for you. And like I said about uh, Okuda, I love the fact that he's willing to get nasty and dirty and, and, and hit people on the line that just doesn't come out for CJ Henderson. the CJ Henderson couldn't tackle college guys. So, I mean, I, I, it's going to be different with the with the physicality of the NFL, so that's why I'm not sure that I love this pick. And um, yeah, this this one screams bust to me, possible possible bust to me.
2: Interesting. What are uh, your thoughts, Taryn? Yeah,
4: a lot of NFL teams were really high on him. I, I think, and I mean, it's not like I wasn't like a number three corner for me. Uh, you know, everyone's valuations are different, so you don't have to go into that much, but. I, I'm never really going to fault a team for drafting a corner, you know, unless it's like a big reach and there might be a team on here where we'll talk about that. But it's, uh, I don't think any team has enough corners as it is. And when you are in desperate need of one, I think that's something, it's a position you just got to throw resources at and take shots at. So I'm not going to fault them for it.
2: All right, last one in the top 10 I want to get to, and then we're kind of just going to breeze through the rest of the draft, just give uh, thoughts and takeaways, and maybe uh, reaches like Taryn just alluded to. Uh, Jedrick Wills Jr. um, goes to the Cleveland Browns, and this, not that I disagree with it, I like Wills Jr. I really honed in on him with the Giants. Uh, Taryn, you brought up a good point, and then After that, it kind of, like, resonated with me, and it was about how versatile Wills Jr. is and how the scheme fits, more so the scheme, and how he's very agile for his size. And also, you look at a guy like Baker Mayfield, who's a guy who likes to leave the pocket earlier, and they do like to do some of those zone run, zone passing kind of setups over there in Cleveland. And, again, if you think Baker's your guy, in your Cleveland, you go out, you get um Conklin in free agency, and now you spend another top pick on offensive linemen. And yo, you look at their weapons, dude. Like, say what you want about Odell. Like, dude's a baller. Jarvis, they they signed the tight end too in free agency. I forgot which one it was. Oh, it was um Austin Hooper. Hooper. Right? Yeah. Hooper, and you got Najoku there. You got nick chubb so you're talking about an offense that's if you can just buy some time for baker man they can make noise so i don't disagree with offensive line here for the cleveland browns at all home run pick yeah here.
4: oh yeah i i agree it was it, it made me really happy we talked about it yesterday i am a big fan of baker and obj so i do like the browns so i was really happy about this pick not just that i think he's a really good player and it plugged a need but it was exactly what you said it was like it's like football art for me how perfect he is as an as a tackle for the Browns he works with the scheme and his agility aside from just you know better protection uh, Baker someone last year who struggled with happy feet and scrambling out of the pocket this is a this is a tackle that can keep up and and can actually move you know horizontally vertically whatever you need so uh, yeah I was a huge fan
2: all right let's take a break real quick I got to do an ad read I'll do it live right here because I don't want to have to edit it in so if you guys (laughs) could just shut up for about 30 seconds it'd be nice with currently no NBA NHL or MLB you might think there's nothing to bet on well you'd be wrong our exclusive partner, bet Online still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From the online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. If you're missing the NFL, no problem. BetOnline has live daily NFL Madden 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. And Tim, your favorite, politics as well all open 24 hours a day and online use promo code blue wire to join and receive your new welcome bonus Bet online your online wagering experts yes i know what you guys are thinking wow lamb that was one take no edit yes i'm becoming sort of a professional
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Yo, you could really bet on stocks which are bets
3: in themselves what a world we live in what a world
2: dude right you could also bet on the world series of poker which you're betting on betting <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's fantastic it's wow. absolutely fantastic that's the All ultimate right. degening right there that is yeah. yeah when you bet on someone else that's <laughs> betting that's like that's a different level between that and like when you bet on a horse i think horse degening is like dude i can't i can't bet on humans you want me to take trust in an animal i can't do it dude <laughs> that's the it. way
3: that, that old greeks around the world have lost fortunes because houses, on horses bro. Bro.
2: houses <laughs> lost houses, it's crazy okay so i want to breeze through the rest of the first round just kind of give thoughts and like if you guys want to jump around i'm cool with that too we all have the draft stuff in front of us but let's just start off with Mackay McT- becton offensive tackle from louisville tim did you want offensive line or did you want wide receiver, which were are the two glaring needs for the New York Jets? And this was a draft that has a lot of them. I thought coming in, it was a very deep wide receiver and offensive tackle class. But before you tell me your thoughts on Beckton, what did you really want prior to this pick? I was all
3: about Jerry Judy, um, maybe Ceedee Lamb. I definitely wanted someone to pair with Sam Darnold. Um, with that being said, I like to pick, um, I think that, you know, I didn't see, I didn't foresee Becton falling here. I really thought Becton was going to go earlier. So I'm, I'm happy that we got Becton for me. Um, when I was looking at tackles Beck besides Wills, Becton was the guy who stood out the most. So I'm, I'm happy that we have him here. And I just saw a tweet today that his principal said that he never got in trouble, even though he, he would come in and hug her every day. And, and stuff like that, so I'm I'm down with the character of it, and you know, it's, it's Joe D said that he was going to come here and, and do two things: shore up the offensive line and bring in good character guys. And it seems like Becton fits both those molds. Um, you know, six seven, three hundred and sixty four pounds, running a five one at the combine. Uh, I'll sign me up for that every day. So I am a, I'm, I'm a fan of this pick, and I think it's a good pick for the Jets. Taryn, your thoughts?
4: Ah, uh, I. Man, I don't know. I was a little bit shocked. Uh, I I get it. And like, I saw a lot of people saying like, oh, you you had your pick of the litter for wide receivers, but you took some tackle even though a bunch of other ones, you know, have already been taken. There's a chance, I mean, that the Jets had Becton as the number one tackle on their board. So that doesn't matter. But still, I just think personally, if you have problems all over the O-line, one tackle to me does not move the needle as much as a true number one wide receiver does. Um, And the ability to have your choice of Lamb, Judy, whoever was the number one wide receiver on your board without having to trade up, I think that's where the value was in the draft. And I also think that would have made the biggest impact while still plugging a need.
2: That's what I think the difference is between the two New York teams where the Jets have offensive line issues across the board, the Giants really just needed a tackle, where I felt the same way with you. I thought this was, dude, you talk about Judy and Darnold. Like, man, that would have been special, bro. And right away, you'd see an impact because let's let's not beat around the bush. Who's he throwing to? It's Crowder and, and what? You're going to trust Herndon at tight end? They lost Robbie Anderson. Like, what, Tim, what else is there that he's throwing to?
3: Rashard Perriman? He, yeah. <laughs> Quincy
2: Anunua? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, like, I mean, hopefully
3: they, they take a guy like, like, um, yeah, there's a lot of guys. I, I, I really like, uh, Michael Pittman Jr. I hope that they take Michael Pittman Jr. in the second round. So maybe they address that there. Um, it is something to be said that they, they have a brand new center, a brand new, a brand new guard a brand new right tackle and now a brand new left tackle. So the offensive line, you know, is going to be completely different than it was last year. And that was the biggest thing. Like you you can't get it to a wide receiver if you're not protected. And Sam Darnold was running for his life, uh, seeing ghosts, as he said. So um, look, I would have loved one of those wide receivers, but I, I like the fact that you have a left tackle that, you know, Joe Douglas is also a guy who made his, his salt and like kind of, made his reputation on picking offensive linemen. And, and there was a report that said that he was the number one tackle on the board for the Jets. So, I mean, you can't really complain about that. The protection or wide receiver, I would have been happy with the, either one. The Jets really had a nice a spot here. So, um, you know, hopefully they can find a wide receiver in the second round.
2: I think the panic really happened because of people's expectations to not see Judy there or not see Ceedee Lamb there. And then they're like, oh, my God, they ought to take one. The, the only pushback that I can make, I, I like it. I like it because, you know, my philosophy is you find a quarterback, you protect them, and you go after theirs. That's how I would, you know, if I ever had three first-round picks and I was a GM and I was just brand new to a situation and I had no quarterback, that's how I would address my roster. I would take a quarterback first, I'd take an offensive lineman, then i take an edge rusher, or at least I'd leave my draft my first three picks being those situations, and yo, you got it. You're right, Tim. Like yo, you can have you can have Judy, Julio, Amari Cooper, and and fucking Odell. But if if I'm playing offensive line for you, like you ain't gonna have much time to to, to pass. So it was it was probably a bigger need, and also yo, you gotta you gotta factor this thing in too. How many young quarterbacks have just had their confidence shot because they've gotten beaten up? fuck, Andrew Luck retired because the first two, three years, he got fucking anal. And then all of a sudden, it turns out to him retiring because he had no protection. By the time they built the offensive line, he's like, yo, I've had all these injuries. I haven't had time off for seven years because I'm either rehabbing or I'm playing. So if you're the Jets, like, this was sort of a desperate play also where you got to protect this kid, man. He's getting hit. He's getting even when he's not getting sacked, he's getting hit. And the whole ghost thing, I've come around on that, Tim, where I liked it a lot because I thought it was an honest moment for him. Like, yeah, bro, I'm struggling right now. I see ghosts. And I, I'm a big fan of you just being transparent and telling me, like, yo, sometimes shit happens, and I'm struggling right now. So the whole ghost thing I think we can move on from. But I, I like, I like uh, Becton here, man. It's something that you really needed. It's not flashy. I know um, one of my jet buddies was like, the the deepest draft of wide receivers, and we take O line. I'm like, yo, bro, like, don't matter. Like I said before, man, it don't matter who your weapons are. If you can't protect for your QB, it's it's night, night. Facts, facts. All right, let's jump around a little bit. Um, Taryn, lead us off. What what pick kind of was like a head scratcher from you? Like from from here on out, is it the next one? Ooh, uh, you know, it's funny because it's it's the next one, but it's honestly both
4: of the Raiders picks. Okay. So like, it goes hand in hand. The next one, Henry Ruggs, I I said when it was, uh, when they were on the clock, I was like, I'm pretty sure I read that John Gruden's got a boner for Henry Ruggs. And Mm. clearly, you know, he he did. It, It just, it doesn't make much sense to me because again, you know, whatever you're looking for, it's hard for me to understand. And it's not like I'm the king evaluator of prospects or anything. But looking at him and Judy, I don't know what you think you're getting that you wouldn't be getting with a guy like Jerry Judy because he had a faster 40 time. Like Judy's a better route runner and on the same team caught more than double the amount of deep targets last year than Henry Ruggs. So if you want a deep threat, it's it's not like Henry Ruggs is a better option there necessarily either. So I was a little confused by that pick. And then their their corner... Uh, that they took at 19 uh Damon Arnett was uh I think the lowest graded person that got drafted in the first round on PFF's big board was my cornerback like 11 or 12 I think so just a a bunch of head scratchers there from the uh from the Las
2: Vegas Raiders yeah piggybacking sorry go ahead that pick screamed fucking Al Davis sitting up out of his casket and being like four two seven, four two seven. <laughs> right? Darius Hayward Bay all over again. Martavius Bryant, they tried to make a thing. Like he they love speed in Oakland. So yeah, I didn't understand this one. Um they brought up the stat about like Every other pass went for a touchdown or some shit, some some ridiculous statistic. And I thought of Devin Smith. Tim, you remember Devin Smith coming out of Ohio uh, State? Yeah, I, I, Same I, I shit with him. was like, yo, every other pass he caught went for a – it was like a 50-yarder or shit. It's like, yeah, bro, but like – I don't know, man. Judy is – Judy was my favorite wide receiver coming out. I liked him more than CeeDee Lamb because anytime I hear someone say that you're the second coming of Julio Jones, I just feel a <laughs> – sizzling temptation in an area of my body so i was all in on judy and just like yo just like the eye test right like for me for me it was judy all along like route running sure you run a faster 40 congrats but like if you run crisp routes like adam thielen is always open in the nfl he don't run no four two seven it's because yo if you're a great route runner you could buy space and open yourself up i didn't understand this one but I guess in the AFC West, people just want to build with with speed to compete in that division.
3: Yeah, building off that with like these wide receivers, I I think that, like you said, the AFC West builds with speed. I think the what I was talking about before, where this is definitely a let's look at the division type of pick and let's go with what the division is going with. And you saw the, the Kansas City Chiefs win a Super Bowl on speed. And Henry Ruggs is I think, a direct correlation to John Gruden wants his Tyreek Hill. The only problem is we've never had a Tyreek Hill before, ever. So if you're trying to draft a player who's a a one-in-a-generation type player, then that's probably not going to work out for you. Don't like the pick. Unfortunately for that, um, as we're talking about the wide receivers, Jerry Judy falls to the Denver Broncos, where I think that's the perfect Place for him. Uh, A lot of the, a lot of what wasn't being said a lot was that a lot of Jerry Judy's production came out of the slot, right? So if you're, if you are Denver, you have an opportunity to put Jerry Judy in the slot and move him around the formation all over because you already have that number one superstar type wide receiver on Cortland Sutton on the outside, and you you you've been building your offensive line. You signed some offensive line guys this year, and now you have a young quarterback and you have him weapons and. I know this might not be a popular thing, but I love CeeDee Lamb to the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys have that offensive line in place, and they're going to sign Dak Prescott to a long-term deal, so why not have Dak Prescott have all the weapons he can? And the amount of problems that you're going to have, and you you saw last year, Kellen Moore has a more spread offense. The amount of problems they're going to have trying to guard Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, and CeeDee Lamb all at the same time, there's there's a possibility that Amari Cooper is the third best wide receiver of that group and he just got a hundred million dollar contract so I can see Amari Cooper going around the uh, all around the formation it's going to cause a lot of problems for a lot of people I think Steedy Lamb landed in a great spot I think Judy the Broncos were talking about trading up to 10 to get, get Judy they didn't have to they got their guy at 15 great job by by uh, uh, John Elway and company which you don't ha- you don't really say that often but great job by John Elway and I, I think in terms of the wide receivers besides the rugs pick i really like i really liked the landing spots for those two guys
2: i personally didn't understand the lamb pick um i felt like they should have went defense their offense is going to be phenomenal i understand that but like their biggest issue last year for dallas was defensively they couldn't make stops when they needed to they couldn't generate a pass rush often and this, this is a team that got fucking Robert. Yo, Robert Quinn just got paid this offseason, fellas, by the Bears, right? Like, Robert Quinn was a dude who was basically on, like, a VM. He was getting, like, $6 million last year for an edge rusher, and he produced. But there was just so many times where I was watching the Cowboys, and Alan and I, I was like, yo, like, fucking, is it 2012 again? Like, why is Robert Quinn just making mad plays? But this is a team that I think defensively, Offensively, they're going to be a problem, but defensively, they have a problem. And they also lost Byron Jones also. Now, maybe you didn't want to reach for one of these defensive players, and I feel that, but I just think that if you're the Cowboys, you're – look, CeeDee Lamb is going to be dope. Rumors are that, Tim, his number is going to be 10. So Lamb 10, but it's a Cowboy jersey. I'm about to say shit. sick, yo. One of my guys (laughs) from the Twitch chat, shout out to Chino. Remember, the VM Patreon also was like, yeah, I'm going to buy you that jersey. And it's a gift, yo. I can't say no to a gift. But like, that's going to be hard. I think, just piggybacking off what you guys said, I love Judy to Denver. You got Drew Locke there if you think he's your guy. You also have Cortland Sutton on the other side, too. Another young wide receiver that you could build with. Font, I'm a fan of, too. I I personally like him. I just think that it, it took a while for him to get acclimated to the NFL, but he did show flashes as well. Um, Henry Ruggs was just the ultimate Oakland Raiders pick with Al Davis. Uh, like I said, we're going to be bouncing around a little bit. Taron, you are a Green Bay Packer fan. If you thought we weren't going to get to this, you are out of your oh, mind. Oh, <laughs> um, They take a quarterback and... In the sports book over at uh, Lamb Enterprise, uh, it was minus 15,000 that Aaron Rodgers was going to be devastated and angry at the fact that a quarterback got taken. So, what are your thoughts on Jordan Love? Oh, man. Uh, I was heartbroken.
4: I I can't lie. It feels a little bit
2: like... The end is near.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, coming off a year where you're in the NFC Championship game, granted, got their ass whooped, but in the ch- NFC Championship game, nonetheless, you go 13 and three. Whether you over, whether you think they overperformed or not, and you're in a position to plug a need, fill value, and you know, it, instead you give up assets to go get a backup quarterback that like I and I try not to be like he would have been there in the second or the third because you never know and if you believe in a quarterback you have to go get him Amen. so I try not to do that but I still I just don't understand you know I know it worked with Aaron Rodgers uh, you know when they drafted him when Brett Favre was getting up there in age but it's not always going to be like that because the situation is not going to be the same. What if Aaron is still playing at a high level in 4 years? Now you have no idea what you've got in this kid. So and, and you have to move on. So do you start him or do you try to draft another replacement? It just it just sucks, man. They were in a a prime position to fill a need, get some value and improve, you know, while they have Aaron Rodgers still playing at a high level and they just chose to look into the future
2: hey real quick uh because I love what you said there can we stop with the well it worked out where Aaron Rodgers that he sat behind someone and then it worked out with Pat Mahomes that he sat behind someone uh uh, good morning it's two (laughs) of the fucking best quarterbacks that I've ever been so, like, not everyone's gonna just right. turn out to be fucking Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes. So let's yeah. let's just pump the brakes a little yeah. bit. New I slash like Aaron Rodgers. I like, I like behind me
4: and he'd still be good. <laughs>
2: yeah. I like Jordan Love, though, man. Again, I, I'm a fan of the quarterbacks. I come from small schools. he he didn't play with no A recruits and five star recruits. And the year before was a lot better than his past season. But dude, I think he's a wild card. I think he's his ideal situation for me, if I could fantasy draft this draft, I would have put him on the Colts because at least, you know, with the Colts, you have a good young offensive line. You have an up and coming defense. You have a veteran in Phillip rivers who is one of the best quarterbacks of this generation. Whether you pride yourself on factoring in titles and whatnot is a dude who didn't miss a start in 15 years and 4000 yards every single season had his team in positions to win countless times and he was on a one year deal so if i was the colts or if i was fantasy booking to use a wrestling term this draft i would have put jordan love on a team like that because of what you said we're like yo look they went 13 to 3 man we were talking about them making a trade for like a Manny Sanders after week one, even with the bears. I was like, yo, look, like, I know they won that game against Chicago opening night, but it's pretty much Devonte Adams or nothing. Like MVS was a thing and Geronimo was a thing also, <laughs> but you needed another, another wide receiver opposite of Devonte Adams. And then you look at what Minnesota did in your own division You look at what Detroit did in their own division, they got a lockdown quarter to take away Devontae Adams. You look at Minnesota, they took a guy who would have been an ideal wide receiver for what you were doing in Justin Jefferson. So, I feel like why Rodgers is upset, and I would be too, man, because I would present what you just said. Like, yo, bro, like, I had – it was Devontae and myself. No offense to everyone else, but it ain't like Rodgers hasn't thrown anyone under the bus before. So. It, it it I totally side with Rodgers here on the frustration. I, I get it. I get it. Can I can I say something? A
3: frustrated Aaron Rodgers is exactly what I would want if I was a Green Bay Packers fan. I'm telling you like Aaron Rodgers, look, the physical tools are still there. The I think there's too much made on the fact that he doesn't have a number two wide receiver because he has a great running back. He has two very productive running backs. He has a very good offensive line and he has one really good receiver. So do the fact that the other guys aren't as good Yeah. I mean, but how important is the number two receiver at the end of the day? I think what you see in Aaron Rodgers only throwing two interceptions again last year is that he has been one of the safest quarterbacks in the last two, three years. He doesn't take chances. He doesn't go down the field. He doesn't, he's not the Aaron Rodgers that we once knew. And I think Jordan Love being on his ass, breathing down his neck is going to put some reinvigoration into Aaron Rodgers. I really do. And when you have a guy like Jordan, uh, Jordan Love whose physical traits are all there, like he, he really looks like Pat Mahomes in college, and that's a lot. That's a big statement. But if you look at him, like the way he throws the ball, the arm strength he has, his ability to move, he checks all the physical boxes. If you can sit him beside Aaron Rodgers for two, three years, that's the Green Bay Packers setting themselves up for the next quarterback in line. And if you're Aaron Rodgers and you're mad about that, then guess what? Uh, You can choose to do what Brett Favre did to you and kind of give you the cold shoulder for four years, or you can embrace it and you can be mad and you can step your game up. And I think that spending a first round pick in order to make Aaron Rodgers into the great one again is worth it because it's been a decade since Aaron Rodgers has been in the Super Bowl. And if I'm a Packers fan, that's unacceptable to me. That's not something that I'm okay with. When I have one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, I need to at least be in the Super Bowl more often, particularly in the NFC. So I think this draft pick of Jordan Love, if it is not only for three years down the road, but it's also for right now, because I think that Aaron Rodgers needs a little fire on under his ass. He's been R E L A Xing a little too much, in my opinion. <laughs>
2: i love it i love it yeah yeah it doesn't take much to piss off aaron Rodgers. also you just have to be like uh a guy that drops the ball or a family member
1: <laughs> Basically yeah. on, his, on his shit list for
2: the most part uh new england traded out of the first round got two more draft picks the chargers came in they take kenneth murray um the linebacker out of oklahoma i like Murray. I liked Murray a lot. You look at the Chargers defense now, just stallions everywhere. Bosa, Linval, Joseph, they brought in. Melvin Ingram, Perryman, Chris Harris Jr. they brought in. like You're looking at like six, seven all-pro caliber players. Derwin James, Casey Hayward is still productive. Desmond King was a, a big piece of their defense too and they also get their quarterback, and now they get a linebacker there. My biggest concern is maybe I need to adapt him, but I'm not trading up at all unless it's a QB. I'm just not doing it, bro. I hear that. I'm just not. I can't do it, man. I can't. Like, it just doesn't make sense more times than not. And and I know, like, if Allen was here, he'd be like, well, it worked out for the Falcons with Julio. It's like, yeah, it worked out, but there's been countless times where it hasn't also more times than not it doesn't and no player is as valuable as the QB still and it'll probably always be that that way and to, to trade two draft picks to get back into the first round to take a linebacker I don't know that was I that was one that kind of upset me because I for some reason I have like a weird attachment to the Chargers still
3: <laughs> Kenneth Murray uh, apparently from everything I heard about him he might also be going for his sainthood after he's done with football so um that's a good pick for there i i, I really like the inside linebackers and linebackers not what that fuck much the
2: sainthood have to do can you make plays that's what i want. <laughs> I mean <laughs> apparently he's like the best
3: guy in the world and he's a great leader and he's a great player um i love the kenneth murray pick i, I mean trading up for him is that's a question mark but if you're gonna if you feel that well about him I love Patrick Queen to the Baltimore Ravens coming, coming um, talking about inside linebackers as well. Um, they had a big needed inside linebacker, and Patrick Queen is one of those guys who come from, uh, comes from LSU, so he's been playing in the big game, and he just seems like a Baltimore Ravens fit. Um, Lamar Jackson's already called him Ray Lewis Jr., so I love that inside linebacker pick. Um, don't know much about Jordan Brooks. From Texas Tech who the Seahawks decided is better than Patrick Queen Um, but the Baltimore Ravens always seem like someone falls into their lap and that's great and uh, I think the inside linebackers in the first round is something that um, is going to be really interesting to watch
2: I really thought he was going to end up on the Saints because he went to LSU the Saints are a little banged up at linebacker Kiko Alonso is coming off a knee injury and they also lost Klein to Buffalo So, when you were looking at that, I thought that maybe him going to the Saints would have been perfect. But, yeah. Ravens, man. Ravens, yo, aren't the Ravens like the Spurs, where when the Ravens take a defensive player, you're just kind of always like, yo, he's going to be good. Like, the same way when the Spurs in basketball, they take a Euro guy. Like, yo, when the Knicks take a Euro guy, you're like, what the fuck is going on? But then when the Spurs do it, you're like, yo, this is going to be the next Dirk. That's how I feel like with the Ravens when it comes to defensive players.
4: Yeah. Something about defensive players when they put on the purple and black, it's like they're the Monstars. It's <laughs> They just breed them. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. I'm with you. It That one, I loved that pick um, just because it's a perfect fit. And it was, you know, extra heartbreaking. When the Packers traded up from 30 to 26, I was like jumping four spots. Going ahead of the Seahawks and Ravens, who probably both want a linebacker with Queen on the board, they're taking them, and I was hyped, and uh, you know didn't work out that way, but yeah, I, I like Patrick Queen to the Ravens, and I'm with you, Nick, for the Chargers. I also, for some reason, have a weird attachment to the Chargers. I just always root for them to do like I just it's always the want jerseys, them to bro. Do well. It's the
2: jerseys, bro. It's the powder yeah, blues. Yeah, probably
4: <laughs> best jerseys in the NFL. Not even close. They're they're so good. I'm with you. But uh yeah, trading up for a inside linebacker just in general, I'm usually not for. And then Kenneth Murray specifically, like depending on what you value, for me in today's NFL, if you can't cover as an off ball linebacker, then your value goes way down. And he reminds me of like a Blake Martinez type who's you know, he can he's a surefire tackler. He can you know <laughs> yeah he could run up the middle he can close an open window and stuff people in the run game but like four pass breakups in 3 years in college uh, as as a, as a starter uh, it's just the value's not there for me and even if they didn't have to trade up I wouldn't necessarily liked it so giving up two picks just makes it even worse
2: i think another really really weird situation that played out was what San Francisco did when you factor in both of their draft picks. So first of all, they trade with Tampa Bay, just one spot. I don't know if there were reports that San Francisco liked worfs, but Tampa Bay trades with San Francisco. Remember San Francisco got a first round pick from the Colts because of Buckner. So San Francisco takes Javon Kinlaw, who just another first round pick on the defensive line, I guess build on a strength, which is something that I saw the giants not do where the giants, when they won those Super Bowls, they had a great offensive line and a great defensive line. And what happened? They let that deteriorate, deteriorate. Did I say that right? You got it. Yeah. I got, I got it the second time. Uh, And they're like, yo, we have a D line. We have an O line. So let's, Take a chance on Matthias Kiwanuka. Let's take a chance on Aaron Ross, Prince of Mukamara. You start trying to fill out the rest of your roster, and then over time, what happens? Your shit falls apart. San Francisco is like, fuck that. We're known for our defensive line. We're going to keep adding to that shit. So they take Kenlaw. Now, the reason I'm not so much against that, I feel it. I don't understand how like, you don't take Judy there. You don't take Lamb there. And then you end up taking a wide receiver later on who. I'll be honest with you. I didn't know much about Ayuku Ayuku out of Arizona State, but especially when you use you lose Manny Sanders too, I just thought like Judy would have been dope there. You get another weapon for Garoppolo, and you get a replacement for Manny Sanders, who was a big part of their offense. Yeah,
3: I mean it. it it's interesting that they used the first round pick. To just replace the same position at a cheaper price. Again, drafting a defensive tackle that early, I'm not sure if that's what I would do if I were them. But I mean, if they were high on Ayuk, um, you know, you know, Sofo, Nick, you know, Sofo, he goes to Arizona State. He says Ayuk uh, is the truth. So um, that's my that's my big scatter report on Ayuk. I know somebody that goes to Arizona State. But uh, uh, I mean, if they if they like that, I, I like the Jalen Rager pick. Uh, to the Eagles, talking about wide receivers, uh, I, I love the just, Justin Jefferson pick um, to the to the Vikings. Uh, I think that both of those fit uh, really big needs as well, and um, yeah, I love it. I, I love those picks. I think uh, you know half of these picks aren't going to work out because that's just the uh, the mathematics behind the draft, um, but. For a lot of these teams, I think a lot of good players went to a lot of places where they could succeed. Um, I know where, where I'm jumping around a little bit, and I want to give Taryn a, Taryn a, a chance to talk about this, too. But I'm, I'm going to talk about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in a second. That's, that's one I fucking love. But I'm going to let Taryn talk about the other guys first.
2: Taryn, is there anything else uh, in the draft that you want to address? For the –
4: well, just to comment on the 49ers, it's actually funny. I actually – my best friend goes to Arizona State also, so I watched, like, a lot of extra of Brandon Ayuk. But the way – I also thought it was a little weird and probably not the way I would have done it, just for the reasons that you guys said. But it really felt like they are just sitting there thinking, okay, let's just, you know, replace this D-tackle. We just went to the Super Bowl. And Brandon Ayuk, to me, is – very Debo Samuel esque, except he's got like Kevin Durant wingspan. He's got hes a freak. I don't know if you guys have seen, but he's only like six one or something, but he's got the wingspan of like a seven foot tall person. He's a—it's weird. One inch but, less um, than
3: Calvin Johnson.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, there you go. So it really just felt like they're like, okay, we'll just reload on the D line, and you guys had problem with problems with one Debo Samuel uh, putting them in space. So how about another one that's just extra lanky? So, you know, it's, they, they liked who they liked and they went for it, but we'll see if it works out, I guess.
2: You know, they've been drafting pretty well though, the last couple of years. So it's one of those things where I think San Francisco has earned enough like clout amongst people in media where it's one of those organizations now where, you know, as long as Garoppolo is upright, what they're doing is working for them.
4: When when Kyle Shanahan takes a player that can be described as gadgety, it makes me think that it's going to work out. It's kind of like what you said with the Ravens on defense. I'm like, oh, he knows. Like, he's going to be a stud. Listen, man,
2: he got Taylor Gabriel paid.
1: <laughs> and yeah. Like,
2: like yeah, no, no knock to Taylor Gabriel, but like for the money that he was signing, that was – crazy and that all happened because of that one year when they went to the super bowl with the falcons and gabriel had like nine touchdowns or some shit (laughs) and it was he had more red zone targets than like julio jones so all right the last one for me that i want to mention and then uh we can we come uh, to a conclusion on this episode um i another lock for me was the eagles were going to take a wide receiver I just thought that they would take Justin Jefferson out of l s u They end up taking Jalen rigor, who tear I think around like pick nine you were telling me that Rigor to the Eagles was what was gonna happen yeah uh, but for me, the reason why I said that was rigor uh, Justin Jefferson more so than Rigor because Jefferson lined up like ninety eight percent in the slot and right now what the eagles really need is a slot wide receiver no idea why my alarm is going off at this time actually i do know because this is the time i usually wake up because yo tim i'm <laughs> enjoying quarantine season bro
1: not having to <laughs> wake up, up at
2: 2:45 in the morning i just wake up whenever it's pretty lit but back to justin jefferson he lined up around 97 or 98 percent of his snaps to lsu out of the slot the Eagles lose Aguilar in free agency. They need a slot wide receiver, and they just needed a wide receiver. They sh- Shit, they showed that graphic of the guys that were catching passes for them, and it was just crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. So I like that they went wide receiver because I, I thought that was the biggest lock of the draft as far as, like, what team was going to draft, what position coming in. Like, you knew they were going to take one even when the season was still going on. Like, the Eagles are going to spend a first-round pick on a wide receiver.
3: Yeah, and I think it's a better a better fit. Taryn could talk about that because you you saw it coming. I think it's a great fit for the Eagles too, better than Jeff, Justin Jefferson would have been.
4: Yeah, I, I'm with you. That I saw all over Twitter and everything. Every, Eagles fans were upset because they wanted Justin Jefferson, like, and I I get that they want someone to line up in the slot. I don't think that. Um, Jalen Rager can't do that if they want him there, but I think they need someone more that can stretch the field and, and be on the outside. You, you saw the effect that it had on them when um, – why am I blanking on his name? d went down at, Yeah, yeah. Deshaun Jackson went down uh, last year. And, and Jalen Rager can be that guy. Justin Jefferson is like – so much of his prowess is just in the middle of the field. And, like, they have Zach Ertz for that, that. that That's all they have right now, honestly, when I look at their wide receiving core. So, I was a big fan. And, yeah, I, I saw it coming just because it was too perfect and I wanted the Packers to get him, And I knew that, you know, I'm not that lucky.
3: This, I know you want to wrap it up. Final thoughts for me. I just want to talk about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and this is another guy who just fits the Andy Reid scheme so perfectly, and he's he caught 50 passes in college, which is fucking ridiculous for a, a running back out of college. He's the best back there that they have, and it's just another weapon for Andy Reid to throw across formations, and you don't know what the fuck's going on when he's on the field. He can catch the ball. He can run the ball, and if you look at his measurables, his measurables are so suspiciously close to a running back that Andy Reid was very familiar with, and that is Brian Westbrook. So um, some, something – Andy Reid saw something in Clyde Edwards Hilaire uh, that made him the first running back off the board, and I bow down to you, Mr. Reid. You uh, know exactly what the fuck you're doing. And uh, I think that, like, f- personally, as you guys know, I, I host a fantasy show. He's the one oh one in terms of rookie dynasty drafts as of right now. So gotta love uh gotta love some Clyde Edwards Hilaire in
2: Kansas City catching
3: who knows how many balls out of the backfield from Patty Mahomes.
2: He's not fast enough for their offense. He runs (laughs) he runs four six (laughs) forty. So it's not good enough for me. I'm not happy. Failure. Four bus Nah, he's very versatile on a serious note he's very versatile and he's gonna be fine just because the guy pulling the strings there is gonna get him open and he's never gonna be a number one or two or three option for a team to stop so when you talk about the scheme where he's going it's awesome I just think if I was Kansas City you know what I would have done I probably would have taken a defensive tackle because you don't know what's gonna happen with Chris Jones he hasn't signed his franchise tag yet And he's asking for north of $20 million. And that could be maybe uh, a leverage play on Kansas City if that was to be the case. But it was a very interesting first round. I think a lot of teams kind of went chalk as far as what they needed to do and what they needed to draft. So I don't know how long this podcast has been because I (laughs) Zoom, this is the first time recording on Zoom and they don't have like a timer for how long it's been. But... I hope you guys enjoyed the coverage of this first round. Enjoy the rest of the draft. On behalf of myself and VM, thank you all for listening. Taren, where can they find you if they want to contact you? Uh, you can find me
4: on Instagram at Taren.Caravella, dot caravella, And then on, on Twitter, which is where most of my... Uh, football stuff and sports related stuff is is at talking tds t-a-l-k-i-n-t-d-s
2: taryn i appreciate the work you've been doing for vm behind the scenes also just to make that public you've been crushing it with some of the whether it's stats for the show or just uh anything that i need you to do i appreciate it um and uh Tim where can they find you? I know there's been a change to your Yeah, you know, I had no idea you changed your fucking uh your your Twitter name. I don't know how long it's been, but I remember it's I was a just looking months. for it the other day and I just couldn't yeah. find it and then I saw it.
3: It's been a month or two I think we've okay. been trying to trying to you know get it you know together uh if we're, so anyway, you could find me at brodoffft tim and you could find uh Uh, If you want to know about the fantasy aspects, we're going to be doing a fantasy um, kind of we're doing a fantasy show on Saturday about the rounds one through three and the fantasy implications that you have there, because traditionally and again, like Nick said, this is going to be a whole different draft. So traditionally um, in the fourth through seventh rounds, you're not going to find anyone who's going to have an automatic fantasy impact except a few guys. So we're going to be doing rounds one through three and going over that just to fantasy wise. We're going to have Jason Moore, the fantasy footballers um, on on um, on Thursday. Very excited about that. One of my big influences. And uh, find everything at BrotoFantasy.com. And uh, yeah, it was great to be back on VM. Always, always love chopping it up with the lamb. And it uh, was great chopping it up with you as Tim.
2: Yeah, always, I, I had a great time. Tim always coming through whenever I ask to, to get on. Last thing. I want to mention is uh, the members of the Patreon that get the shout-out. Nick Chavez, Ryan Pisner, Christopher Velasquez, Corey Johnson Hoops, Derek Pleiates, and Daniel Gibson. And also, big shout-out to Jonathan Garcia, a.k.a. Goose. (laughs) He won the Patreon contest. He's going to get a custom VM merch. He said he wants it in blue and white. He's a Cowboy fan, so if you're listening to this, You'll probably get your stuff within the next four years. I'm not going to rush to make that. Thank you all for listening. We'll catch you guys next time. I just like the sound.